0: All right, I'm going to dive into the message this morning. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? There we go. Text the word notes to 59090 to get everything that's in front of me sent back to you. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 38. The Bible says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. I'm going to back up. We all know this story. This is the story of David and Goliath. And David is a shepherd boy. He's just been shepherding his father's sheep. And he's been sort of outcast and alone. And he shows up on the battlefield facing the greatest battle that the children of Israel have ever faced before. And they're looking at a giant. And he shows up and he's got big talk. This little boy is talking big. And he's telling everybody that God will anoint him to go and to defeat this giant. And so the... The king hears about David's big talk, and he calls him to him, and he agrees to allow David to go and fight this giant. But he clothed David with his own armor. Saul put his armor upon David. He put a helmet of bronze on his head. He clothed him with the coat of mail, and David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in, in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, "'Am I a dog?' the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. David didn't mince any words. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and with spear. For the battle is the Lord's And he will give you into our hands. I've come to tell you this morning that misplaced faith is no faith at all. The title of my message is Wearing Dunamis, the Shield of Faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have filled this tent with your glory. We thank you that you are in the room this morning. God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying and doing. We thank you, Lord, that no one has come to hear me speak, but God, we've all come to hear you. So, Lord, we lay down performance, comparison, and the need to impress. Father, I pray that every word would be pleasing to you. Soften our hearts to receive the word of the Lord this morning. We don't make room for you in this place. We give you the room It all belongs to you. So teach us how to pick up the shield of faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. You know that the word of the Lord over our church in 2023, the prophetic word is the word dunamis. It is a Greek word that means to strengthen and to fortify. This is the year that dunamis power goes from on us to in us. And we've been praying and asking the Lord how to steward this word all year. And I know many of you have stewarded the word of strengthening and fortifying in your lives. And we've worked and we've leaned in and we've asked the Lord, how can you strengthen us? How can you fortify us? Show us the areas of our lives where there are weakness. And he has been so faithful and just to do that. But as we were praying And asking God how to continue to steward this word, he spoke to us that at the end of the year, he wanted us to do a series of fortifying our faith by putting on the full armor of God. So we're in the midst of this series. We see the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter six, beginning in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be with able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We are in the midst of spiritual warfare. I saw somebody say this week, one of the greatest lies and most effective tools that the enemy has ever had is convincing us that he doesn't exist. Convincing the people of God, even, that there is no devil are that your fight is with flesh and blood and not with principalities and powers. And I know sometimes when you're driving down I-35 and you're trying to head to work, it feels like your fight is with flesh and blood. Am I the only one? I don't know when or if from my lips to God's ears they will ever finish construction on Interstate 35. I'm 41 years old. They've been doing it for at least my entire life. And just when you think they're finished, I went to jump on 40, 35, and there's a backup again. And I see construction lights. I'm like, what do y'all have left to do? They finished the Taj Mahal. They finished the pyramids of Giza. They almost finished our building in a shorter amount. Just kidding. Y'all, we're almost there. We're almost there. Somebody said they're going to get me a T-shirt that says, in a few short weeks. Poor Pastor Jordan going to be bald as me by the end of this. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You got to have fun in church. That you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, say, I will stand. And having fastened on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It is the year of dunamis power to strengthen and to fortify your life. Why? Because God told us that in this year, he is creating warriors. And he doesn't create warriors so that we can have tea parties. He creates warriors because there is a war. There is a war. And the battle is coming to us, but I would say the battle is already here. The battle is here, the battle for your mind, the battle for your righteousness, the battle for your peace, the battle for truth. We are being attacked on all corners and at all sides. Truth and holiness and righteousness and things that we thought would never be attacked are being attacked today. Truths that are so obvious, everybody knows them, are now being questioned and being attacked today. The battle is already in your home. It's coming through your television, little children's shows. There's a show that's designed for toddlers that I just read about last week who just introduced its first non-binary character. If you don't know what that is, that means that they've introduced a character that says he's neither male nor female. Now, 10 years ago, you would never think that we would have to fight the battle that there are two genders, you would never think that that would even be something that needs to be discussed and fought. It's so obviously true, and the fact and the idea that there are dozens of genders is so obviously false. It seems ridiculous that we would have to fight it, but the battle is here. It's coming for your family. It is in your school. It is in if you have children, it's in your children's school. The confusion of the spirit of the age is swirling around us. And if you do nothing, you will fall into the path of the enemy. For the Bible says that narrow is the way that leads to life and those that find it are few. But wide is the path that leadeth to destruction. The path that leads to destruction is wide and it's easy. And many people will follow that path. And listen, as believers, if you do nothing, you will end up in the path of confusion. If you do nothing, you will end up succumbing to the swirls and the confusion of the spirit of the age. You can all, most of us in this room right now, if we take two minutes and think about it, we can think of somebody who 10 years ago or five years ago or six months ago was a strong, firm believer who has now been pulled into a confused spirit of the age. There are pastors and ministers who fail to discern the signs and the times and realize that we are in a war. And there are pastors of some of the largest churches in America that now don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. Why? Because if you do nothing, that's where you will end up. I'm going to say it again because I feel it in my spirit. If you do nothing, that's where you will end up. The days of sitting back and just coming to church once every six weeks. And I'm gonna check this off my list because I'm a Southerner and people from Texas go to church. And it's the second question people ask you What do you do for a living and where do you go to church? You better have an answer. And so it's just part of our culture and our nature. And so I'm just one of those cultural American Christians. And I don't really get into all of that spiritual warfare stuff. And I don't really have to read the Bible and get into all of that theology. And I don't really want to fight and argue. And I don't really want to stand up for truth. And I don't really want to do this. And I don't really want to do that because I'm just going to stay over here and out of it. And I just love Jesus. If you do nothing. You will end up in the wide path of destruction, filled with confusion, believing the lies of the enemy. It is why we must pick up our armor. We've been in this series. Now this is our fourth week and we've preached on the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth and the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. I encourage you go to the mercy culture, Waco podcast, listen to these messages more than once. Pastor Landon and the ministry team in Fort Worth are preaching in the same series. Go to the Mercy Culture YouTube page. Watch those. There's a different aspect and a different, a different uh, um, uh, angle that you can learn about these, the armor of God. I encourage you, feed yourself with the word of God. Today we're talking about the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Let's go back to it. The Bible says, in all circumstances. Somebody say all not some, not a few, but in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, which you, let's take a moment there. The Bible says, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Who extinguishes the flaming darts? Who? I do. When I pick up the shield of faith, I extinguish not some, not a portion, but all of the flaming darts of the evil one. It tells me a few things. It tells me, number one, I have a responsibility to do what? To pick up the shield of faith. I'm going to teach you what that is and how to do it this morning but I have a responsibility to pick up the shield of faith. It tells me something else. I have the spiritual authority to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. It also tells me that there are indeed flaming darts of the enemy. You see, for many believers, even in this room this morning, that's the first step to spiritual warfare is believing that there's spiritual warfare. So many people don't even believe in it. They think that spiritual warfare is for somebody else that spiritual warfare is for the movies, it's for some horror movie, it's for something else. They don't understand and believe that there is a devil loose who wants to kill and steal and destroy. There is a spiritual battle, and the shield of faith is the first layer of the armor of God. And if you pick up the shield of faith, the rest of your spiritual armor will remain unscathed. With the shield of faith, you are protected from the fiery darts of the enemy to attack your mind and the helmet of salvation. Your righteousness is protected from the fiery darts hitting the breastplate of righteousness. Your peace is protected by the shield of faith. Your truth is protected. This shield is not just a shield that you may have in your mind that we've seen at medieval times or Someplace when you're a little boy and you have that little shield. No, this is a Roman shield. And the Greek word is thyrion, and it means a large shield that is shaped like a door. It is a large, oblong, ancient Roman, Roman shield that looked like a full door, large enough to provide full protection from the attack. It was a full-body shield. And it refers to God's inworking of faith, which protects the entire believer, covering their whole person in spiritual warfare. The Bible says in Psalm 710 that my shield is God. In other words, the Lord Himself becomes our shield, providing protection by inbirthing His spoken word of faith in the believer. This always extinguishes the missiles of the enemy, the flaming darts. Of the enemy. There's a Greek word for flaming that I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce, but they can put it up there. It means to burn, to be on fire, or to try. The root word means to be kindled or inflamed with anger, grief, and lust. The enemy wants to inflame you with anger, the enemy wants to inflame you with grief and lust. And frustration and fear and disease and depression. So many of us have these attacks from the enemy. We feel these waves of things come upon us and we refuse to acknowledge where it is coming from. We refuse to pick up the shield of faith and acknowledge that it is an attack of the enemy because we have forgotten that the enemy wants to kill and steal and destroy you and everything and everyone that you love. So what does spiritual warfare feel like? How can I know when I'm in the midst of it? We'll be doing a series on spiritual warfare in 2024 that we're working on now, but I want to give you some key points of what it feels like to be in the midst of spiritual warfare. You have the feeling of being accused or threatened, especially regarding your identity, who you are in Christ, regarding your sonship, your daughtership. That's why we see our young people being attacked in their identity, their gender identity, their sexual identity, being attacked by all in all areas, in all ways because the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says, stands before the throne of God accusing the saints day and night. That feeling of accusation is spiritual warfare. Panic attacks, anxiety, unexplained fear, fear that comes out of nowhere. When you feel your chest tightening and you feel anxiety and fear and those panic attacks come in waves, it's spiritual warfare. The desire to run from the fight, especially when emotionally or physically tired, it is the desire to just get away. Sometimes it can be so strong, it can feel overwhelming, Elijah had this spiritual warfare. Right after he confronted the prophets of Baal, he ran after his greatest victory. He ran away in fear and anxiety. He was worn out because of spiritual warfare. Feelings of depression are the desire to quit when you have no strength to go on, feeling empty or void of anything spiritual as well as fatigue and weariness. This is how Elijah felt when he was in the cave. He was filled with confusion and doubt and weariness and he just wanted to quit. Unexplained sicknesses and infirmities that distract us and wear us down. My wife and I, have gone through this. There was a season in life where we were attacked by spiritual leaders that we were submitted to. There was a a spirit of Jezebel, which we'll preach on. There was a spirit of Jezebel on these people and there was a constant spiritual attack for about four years. We were under intense spiritual attack. And we found that over that period of time in a very short window, all of our children ended up in the hospital for strange and unusual reasons. Bitten by a spider in the middle of the night. One of our daughter's chest just completely collapsed. No reason. She just quit breathing. Couldn't get air to come in. Ended up in ICU. No one could explain why. Infections and sicknesses that were strange and unusual. It was a spiritual attack against our family. Trying to wear us down and distract us. The desire to isolate. This spirit will pull you away from the body and cause you to feel alone. Elijah, when he was facing Jezebel... He said to God, I'm the only prophet left when in actuality there were hundreds of prophets just like him in the city. Spiritual or physical heaviness. This may even manifest physically in the, in the chest area where you feel like you can't breathe, your breathing is constricted and it comes out of nowhere and it hits you. Maybe it's when you're trying to pray or maybe it's when you're trying to read the word or when you're trying to lead your family in prayer or you're just driving down the road and it'll hit you and you feel that restriction in your chest. It might be spiritual warfare, demonic dreams, dreams from the enemy give no hope and they cause terror. When you feel those dark and demonic dreams, you don't just have to accept it, take authority over it. When you the feeling of being out of control or the feeling of being controlled, that sense of a loss of choice, you may feel like authorities are against you. The spirit is attempting to cause division. Swirling or uncontrollable thoughts like a wind in the mind. This is how I describe it. It wasn't that long ago that I was at a restaurant and I ran into a young woman who I've known, Nikki and I have known throughout the years and have had some interaction with and know that there is witchcraft in her life. And we love this young woman and we pray for her and God's got a purpose and a call for her life, but there's a mixture of Christianity and witchcraft and uses some of the tools of witchcraft and some of the symbolism and and all of those things. and uh, I ran into this person. She began to speak with me, and I could feel like wind in my mind. It's, it was like, <sighs> you could just feel it swirling in your mind. Some of you are nodding your head up and down because you felt that before. You may work with somebody that you feel that every time you try to talk to them. It might be somebody in your family, some situation where it feels like I can't get my thoughts together. There's this swirling in your mind. That is confusion and manipulation and witchcraft. When you have confusion in relationships, you see, the enemy will always attack relationships that give you strength. It seemed, isn't it amazing that it seems like the people that zap strength from you, the people that are not encouraging you, that are not lifting you up, the people that are not the ones that are, that are in, uh, sharpening you and encouraging you to get closer to the Lord, y'all never have any conflict you have so much fun together, you laugh together, you laugh till you cry, there's no problems, they're always paying for the check when the check comes at dinner, there just seems to be no issue. But those relationships where iron sharpens iron, there always seems to be something that pops up. Why? Because the enemy wants to take everything from you that gives you strength. He wants to try to cause you to grow weary in well-doing. We must expose the lies and lean in. Fight for health. Pick up the phone. Ask for coffee. Tell them what you're hearing from the enemy. Expose the lies of the enemy. Lean in and fight for healthy relationships. The spiritual warfare, this, these, these feelings can come on so strongly and quickly, and we've got to take authority over them. Years ago when we first came to Waco, Nikki and I, we did a, a worship night. It was the first event that we ever did in the city, and people came and worshipped, and the presence of the Lord was there in such a beautiful way. And that evening I went home and went to bed like normal, and when I went to sleep I could feel what felt like a snake, a python, come crawling slithering into the bed with me i could feel it come into bed with me and i could feel the tightening around my chest and i could barely breathe and i could barely move and all night long it was the strongest spiritual warfare i've ever felt in my life and then there were these thoughts that would come into my mind and some of you will relate to this It did not even feel like they were strange or unusual thoughts. It didn't feel like they shouldn't be there. It just felt like absolute truth. Like if you say, this is, whoa, this is tea, and this is an iPad and the sky is blue and you should kill yourself. It's just the most plain, non-dramatic, not strange at all. Just the world would be better if you were dead. That, that is a spiritual attack from the enemy. And how do I combat this spiritual warfare? Well, we do things like we did this morning and begin to lift up the higher authority. Begin to lift up the name of Jesus. That's why often you will hear us talk about the principalities and powers that we prayed that we have identified over the city of Waco But we don't focus on the principality. We focus on lifting up what God says over our city. So we lift up adoption over the orphan spirit. And we lift up honor over dishonor. And we lift up gratitude and generosity over a spirit of covetousness. And we lift up the Holy Spirit and truth over false religion. Listen, do not partner with the lies of the enemy. Ah. This is where he'll get us, is that we will subtly begin to partner with the lies of the enemy. We'll subtly begin to believe and repeat the lies of the enemy and partner with them. But we must lift up the highest authority, which is Jesus. You see, the enemy doesn't mind when you have a mixture in your life, when you try to lift up Jesus and something else. If you'll notice, that's why nobody seems to have a problem when you talk about your faith. Nobody seems to have a problem if you say, oh, I'm a man or a woman of faith. When people have a problem is when you talk about Jesus. You see, people have a problem is when we sing songs like, there's only one way to the Father there's only one way it's the son and his name is jesus as soon as you say there is only one way all of hell begins to break loose see the enemy doesn't mind an unholy or a misplaced faith but he fights with everything he has against a true faith why because he knows when you pick up the shield of faith his fiery darts have no power over you when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus and the true faith, then he no longer has power and authority. That's why we must call out the lies of the enemy. We've been going through spiritual warfare here in Mercy Culture Waco. It was recently, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but we've talked about it a little bit, but recently the city of Waco, on our official Instagram account, They do a series where they highlight small businesses from time to time and they send city employees with city crews to do a professional video and they go out and they'll film and then they'll promote that small business. It's a nice thing on their social media and say, hey, you should go and visit it. And it was just a few, a couple of weeks ago that I saw one of these pop up and something didn't sit well with me and I went to that establishment and found that the store that they promoted was the official store of a local coven of witches here in Waco. It is a coven of witches that has a store where you can go in and go to their altar and pay them money and they'll cast spells for you and they'll read your tea leaves and they'll perform witchcraft for you. This is not a secret. It wasn't hidden, they're open. We're witches and this is our witchcraft store. And our city said, this is the store out of the dozens and dozens of small businesses in our community that we would like to highlight today. Do you feel the resistance in the room? Somebody began to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're not prophesying in tongues, we're praying in our heavenly language. This is what Ephesians chapter six says to do, to pray in the spirit at all times. To combat the works of the enemy. So we say no spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome. No spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome. Spirit of witchcraft, you're not welcome here. So we lift up the Holy Spirit in truth. We lift up Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hmm. So we began to call out and call to account, call the city to account. And we have an organization that we partner with called For Liberty and Justice that leans into these justice and liberty issues. And they wrote an article about the city of Waco, and I reposted. if you haven't done so yet. Go to For Liberty and Justice on Instagram or Facebook. Look for that post. Repost it. Let's tag our mayor. Let's call to attention what's happening within our city. And since we did that, there's been a wave of spiritual attack that has come. I've gotten calls from local pastors and leaders in our city and emails and basically, hey, shh, be quiet. Like, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Let's calm down. Let's be quiet a little bit be careful don't call it out hey why don't we why don't we go privately and deal with this privately and let's keep it a secret why because darkness only has power until the light is revealed because darkness is simply the absence of light, And so the enemy wants you to quietly and tacitly partner with darkness. Why? Because he has power as long as you keep it a secret. It's why some political and even religious leaders in our city want me to be quiet. Why? Because so when you turn on a light, everybody can see. We have to begin to deal with it. We have to begin to talk with, about it. And we have to begin to fight it. And so we make this post, and then the Thursday after, our team shows up here at, our, at the tent for a worship night. And right outside in the parking lot, there was an altar and a pig sacrifice that had been cut open in the parking lot of the church. I don't tell you this to bring fear. And I ask the Holy Spirit before this message, Lord, do you want me to share this? I tell you this to turn the light on the works of the enemy. And for some of you, it's a wake-up call that there's a devil loose and that there is a spiritual battle and war and it's not just for this church and it's not just for the things that you have, but the enemy wants to kill and steal and destroy your family, your children, your peace, your marriage, your everything. And when we turn on a light and we expose the works of the enemy, we can begin the path to freedom and victory over those works. Don't partner with lying spirits, but call it out. When the the devil begins to lie to you, call it out. I don't have anxiety. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I don't partner with depression. I bind it in the name of Jesus. I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Get witchcraft out of your home. Some of you have been burning sage, and you've been having crystals put out, and you think that these items have energy, and you think that it's harmless and meaningless. I'm telling you from the spirit of the living God, get it out of your home. Be careful with some relaxation techniques and meditation and tapes and videos and things that some of you might be listening to and have unwittingly partnered with the works of the enemy. Watch out for the movies that we're allowing to come into our home. There are things that we're watching and and TV shows and movies that we're freely opening up our homes and our spirits to, and then we are wondering why there's a darkness resting upon us. Ask the Holy Spirit, should I be watching this? Ask the Holy Spirit, "Should should I allow this into my home? Should I allow my children to watch this? And then stand up and take authority in your home. Be careful with the music that you're listening to. Oh, pastor, you're getting weird. Remember when I was a teenager and I was in high school, and some of y'all too young, but they would have us bring our CDs and we would burn them. Bring all your secular CDs, and I'd go and get my CDs, and then about a week later, I'd go back to the store and buy them again, right, because I was a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways at 16, and there was this impetus on this, and they'd say this is a work of the enemy, and these these lyrics are bringing in darkness. And some of us would kind of kind of believe it, and kind of be like, well, maybe you're getting a little bit too far. But listen, we didn't end up where we are today, where the most famous pop stars in the world are openly practicing witchcraft and satanic worship, where I watched on the Grammy Awards an artist stand up and fake speaking in tongues, fake casting out a devil, and then turn into a demon with a church and the background and worship Satan on the stage at the Grammy Awards that didn't happen overnight it happened because years ago we allowed compromise to begin to sweep in and we partnered with it and we took our money and our attention and we funded the works of the enemy and some of us are still doing it to this day because we love Beyonce too much to call her a witch When she told you that she's one and we said, but this is Bay and I love her and I want to listen to this music and I can't have this. And what am I going to do? We must expose the works of the enemy. Darkness has power only until the light is revealed. That is why the enemy will always try to keep his works in the darkness. He will always try to convince you that you're overreacting. What is the worst thing that can happen? You're going to get too holy? You're going to be too wholesome? Wholesome? That's the worst thing that could happen, is we just get a little bit too holy. See, the enemy always wants to keep his works in the darkness because in the darkness is the place that he has free reign. And we can't effectively combat the fiery darts of the enemy without the shield of faith. We must have faith faith, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, faithfulness. The Greek word for for faith, pistis, means to be persuaded to have a divine persuasion. The Bible says that faith is required to please the Lord. Hebrew eleven six. without faith, it is impossible, say impossible, to please God. Romans 14, 23, whatever is not done in faith is a sin. You see, faith shields us from foolish ideas. You gotta ask yourself, from where do I get my values? Is it from my faith in the Lord Jesus or is it from someplace else? How do you shield yourself from foolishness? You lean into godly faith. You shield yourself from the lies of the enemy by leaning into faith in the Lord and His Word. But when foolish people read the Bible and find something they disagree with, they assume the Bible is wrong. And when the wise read the Bible and find something they disagree with, they assume that they are wrong. So many of us have leaned on not only faith, but faith and other stuff. We put our faith in the Lord and we sprinkle some other things that we've put our faith in. Instead of saying, I put my faith in the word of the Lord. Romans ten seventeen says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. i give you some practical advice. Read the Bible every day. I said, read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. Encounter the Lord and he will speak to you. Encounter the Lord through your word. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I just don't have a word on this. I just don't have a word on this. I don't know. The Lord isn't speaking to me. I say, pick up the Bible. There's 66 books. He spoke to you. He wrote it down. Ask the Lord what he's saying. Read the word every day. If you don't know the word and have a word to produce godly faith in you, you will put your faith in unholy things. See, we lose the shield of faith when we pick up unholy faith, our faith in something other than the Lord. Let's look at the life of Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, 8, we see that Saul had not been king for too terribly long and He says he waited seven days, the appointed time by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offerings. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly for you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. What happened? Saul was facing an enemy. And Samuel, the high priest, had given him the word of the Lord and told him, wait for me and we will make a sacrifice to the Lord, obey the Lord. And Saul said, I, he got nervous. Saul got nervous in his waiting and his faith began to be shaken. And Saul began to put his faith in something other than the word of the Lord. And he offered up his own sacrifice without the obedience of God. Saul did not wait on the Lord. says, you have not met the command of the Lord your God. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over this people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. He took matters into his own hands. And we see this again in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God told Saul to strike Amalek. And he said, when you do, destroy every man, every woman, and every animal. Keep nothing. This was the word of the Lord. And again, Saul disobeys the Lord. Why? Because he put his faith in something other than obedience to the Lord. I love this story. Because Samuel comes back to Saul. And Saul had gone in and he'd won the battle. And he took the choicest of their livestock and he kept it. When God said to destroy the livestock he didn't destroy them he kept it and Samuel came and he said what he said excuse me Saul I know that the Lord told you to destroy the livestock. What is this bleeding that I hear? In other words, I hear some sheep. Where did that come from when God told you to destroy them? And Saul began to stutter and stumble all over himself. And he said, well, 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 well. Well, I just wanted to take the choices because I wanted to offer it unto the Lord. In other words, I didn't have enough faith in God to accomplish what he told me to do. But I needed to add something to it. I needed to add to my faith. There's a mixture of the word of the Lord and something else. Family, there's a mixture within the body of Christ. There's a mixture of the word. Some of us have created this unholy mixture and we've called it holy faith. We take up the faith that we get from the word of God and we say we want to be obedient to the Lord, but then we get a little bit nervous and we start to mix something else into it. The Lord tells us to do something. And instead of just doing that, we say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to do what you said, but I'm also going to add something to it. And I know that you told me not to do this thing like Saul said, but I also know that you really love my sacrifice. So I'm going to disobey you so that I can bring you a better sacrifice. But Samuel said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft. Ah. And presumption. Somebody say presumption. Is as iniquity and idolatry. Some of us have picked up a rebellious, presumptuous faith. We see it again, Saul and First Samuel chapter 28, he begins to consult a medium because Samuel has gone on to be with the Lord. His priest has passed away and Saul gets nervous. And so Saul goes and does what he knows that God has forbidden him to do. And what is Saul doing this for? He's consulting the forbidden thing to try and please the Lord. Ah! We see this all through the church today. This is the trap for the Christian. I want to please the Lord, so I'm going to consult the forbidden things. And Saul goes to this witch, and he asks her to summon Samuel back up from the grave. And she goes, wait a second, you know it's illegal. And he had disguised himself. She said, King Saul will put me to death He catches me doing this he said i promise you by god that you won't be hurt and then she sees samuel in the spirit and she begins to scream she said you're saul you lied to me he said who do you see and she said it's samuel and samuel speaks up and says why have you disturbed me and saul says because i'm in deep trouble The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I have called for you to tell me what to do and what happened. He lost all the favor of God. Why? Because he didn't put his faith in the Lord. There was nothing left to shield him from the fiery darts of the enemy. You see, we have this idea that we need to help God fulfill his purpose on our lives. We have this idea, thank you, Lord, for speaking, and thank you for your word, but I'm going to add a little bit something to it because I don't really feel that peace, and instead of contending for the peace that I know the Holy Spirit can give me, I'm going to burn a little bit of sage, and I'm going to consult this psychic, and I'm going to send into this thing, and I'm going to read my horoscope, and it's just for fun, and it's just on Facebook, and it's not a big deal, and and I still pray, and I still speak in tongues, and I still read the word, and, and I know that this crystal may not have power, but just in case... I'm going to add a little bit something to my faith in you, Lord, just in case. Unholy faith is no faith at all. Worship team, if you would come up. We see this back in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You see Saul didn't just stop at putting his faith in things outside of the Lord just for himself, but he always tried to push it upon other people as well. And we see this with David. David has showed up obeying the word of the Lord why because David had a faith that he had tested he had a faith that he developed not in front of the thousands we read later on that the women of Israel would sing Saul has slain his thousands but David his tens of thousands see David didn't develop his faith in the midst of his victory but he developed his faith on the backside of the wilderness when he was taking care of sheep and goats and nobody was around and he was cleaning up manure and playing his harp before the Lord and worshiping and building a relationship with Jesus and getting to know the Father. That's where his faith was strengthened and fortified. That's where David got the dunamis power to stand before Goliath. And Saul said, this is cute and, and, and all, and I appreciate your faith, but I got a little something extra I want to give to you. I want to give you this armor. Just put it on. Many of you have spoken in faith what God told you to do, and somebody said, that's great. I believe in you, but I'm going to add a little something to it. Felt in my spirit this morning that many of us in this room have unwillingly picked up an unholy faith. And you can't hold holy and unholy faith at the same time. Some of us have been praying and reading and crying out to the Lord, and it seems like the fiery darts seem to hit us. And I've come to tell you this morning put down. The unholy faith. Take off Saul's armor. David put it on and he said, all right, I'm going to try this out because this is what the king wants me to do. And he stopped and he goes, wait, wait, wait. I tried to go, the Bible says, but he said, wait, I, I have not tested this armor. This doesn't feel right to me. This is untested. This is strange faith. Is unholy faith. David knew if I go onto that battlefield with unholy faith, the fiery darts of the enemy will reach me and they will wound me. And I'm not going to put my faith in my money. I'm not going to put my faith in my exercise and my personal health. I'm not going to put my faith in my own efforts and intellect I'm not going to put my faith in the New York Times or the Washington Post and believe what they say over what the Bible says. and I'm not going to put my faith in politics or my education. With many college students in this room this morning where the enemy would love nothing more than to mix your faith with something else. Doesn't mean that you can't be educated. I'm all for education. Go get your PhD, go as far as the Lord wants you to go. But don't forget your faith in what? In Him. And when the word of the Lord conflicts with the word of your professor, who is going to win? Are you going to add the conflicting word to your faith? Are you going to reject one and turn to the other? My faith is not in social justice. My faith is not in Donald Trump. It's not in Joe Biden or any of the rest of them. My faith is not in that glass of wine that I have to have before I can relax at the end of the day. It's not in that little bit of weed that I'm going to smoke that nobody knows about. it. not a big deal. Who cares? I'm just going to add this to Jesus. My faith is not in myself. You see we see this all throughout the Bible this misplaced faith Lucifer himself that set in the presence of God he was created in the presence he lived in the presence he worshiped In the presence and he began to misplace his faith ah i got a little bit of god and some faith in myself and pride cast him out of heaven we see this with adam and eve the bible says they walked with the lord in the cool of the day they spoke to god like you and i speak together but they began to misplace their faith oh i believe the lord but i also believe this serpent i'm gonna mix in this faith it happened with samson Who walked under the anointing of the Lord. And everything that he did, he was successful. And he had strength that was supernatural until one day he had mixed his faith. And when he went to battle, all of the sudden the Lord had left him and he didn't even know it. The Bible said that he shook himself like he had so many times. And the presence of God wasn't there. Why? Because his faith had been misplaced in his own strength. We see this with Jezebel who misplaced her faith in sexuality and the powers of her persuasion. We see it in Saul who misplaced his faith in his own power, in his own position. We see this with the Pharisees. They were charged to be protectors of the most holy scriptures, but they began to put their faith in religion. They said, I appreciate this Bible, but we got to add some stuff to it because it's not enough on its own. I gotta put some faith into some other things. We see it with the rich man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know you are the Son of God and I wanna serve you, what should I do? And Jesus said, sell everything you own, give it to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says he walked away in sorrow, why? Because he had misplaced faith. We see this with Judas who walked with Jesus, who was discipled personally by the Savior of the world. But Judas, he began to fear the religious leaders, began to have the fear of man and his faith was misplaced. We saw it in Thomas, who again had walked with Jesus. And when the disciples came to Thomas and said, he's risen just like he said, he said, I don't believe it. Not until I can stick my fingers in the wounds of his hands and stick my hand into his side. Why Thomas had lost and misplaced his faith. You see, none of these people stopped believing in God. None of these people dismissed their faith. They just added to it. see so many of us think that as long as we don't reject Jesus we're good but we've added so many things to our faith that we've put down the shield of faith and we have picked up an unholy faith that is leaving us exposed to the works of the enemy David responds to Saul I want everybody to close your eyes ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you any place that you've put on somebody else's armor David responds to to Saul he said I'm not going in my own strength but I'm going only with what the Lord told me to do I'm not adding anything to it you see Saul never told David to put down his sling and his stones he just wanted to add something to it David said, I'm not adding anything to what the Lord said. I pick up the shield of faith. And he went and said to that Philistine, you come to me with sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He said, all of this assembly will know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear. He saves not with unholy faith. The Lord saves not with Jesus and. He saves not with the Bible and something else. No, 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 no. The battle is the Lord's. Because David had spent time with the Lord. He had tested his faith. He had built relationship, he talked to the Lord. He played the harp for him in the secret place. He was in the wilderness, alone in the secret place, and he got to know him. and he trusted him. put his faith in the word. Just like Peter, he was on that boat and the storms were raging. You see, Peter didn't just decide, I'm going to walk on the water. No, no, no. His faith was birthed in a word from Jesus. Jesus said, step out on the water. Jesus is reminding, don't open your eyes, don't look at me, don't look at me. Jesus is reminding some of you this morning what he told you to do. speaking to you this morning. He told Peter, he said, come to me, Peter, come to me. And Peter didn't stop and go, okay, I'm going to come to you. Hang on just a second. Let me get a life vest. And let me get this raft. And I trust you, Jesus, but just in case, I'm going to add some stuff to it. I have faith in your words jesus but just in case let me put on my life vest and let me have plan b and let me have plan c and his buddies in the boat said oh let's give you a little something because we don't want you to drown he said yeah yeah that's a good idea let me pick that up i'm still obeying you lord i'm just gonna add to my faith no peter stepped out he didn't step out on nothing he stepped out on a word from jesus and You see, David had never tested his ability to kill a giant. He had never killed a giant in his life, but he knew the Lord. Jesus never fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but he had faith in his Father, and he knew his Lord. Paul had never tested his ability to break out of prison with a shout and a song, but he knew the Lord. And all he knew was God said to sing, to shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. The Lord says to worship. And he knew what David knew, that God does not deliver with a sword and a spear. What if the seemingly insurmountable situation you're facing right now isn't to kill you, but to test you? How will you grow in your faith if you don't ever have to use it? How are we strengthened and fortified without the testing? Some of us have been asking God to do big things in our life, and he's answering you with a test of your faith. Come on, stand to your feet.